Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Critical Strike Podcast, Esports Weekly, hopefully, League of Legends podcast. My name is Enrique Demore. I guess I'm a, a talker uh, for Esports. With me, I think, here are two far more important people for Esports, Meg Kay and Tyler Esguera. In that order, why don't y'all introduce yourselves? Hi, everyone. My name is Meg. I'm a League of Legends esports writer for Esports, And as you can probably tell by my accent, I am the European representative for the podcast. So I'll be kind of getting into more of the LEC, European-centric themed things that we will be discussing here. And uh, as Henrique said, my name is Tyler. I'm also a writer for .esports and I am from NA and I am a an LCS-focused writer. Uh, but we're going to be talking about a bunch of things today for uh, the LEC and the LCS. So I'm excited to hop into the offseason. Yeah, it should be exciting. Like, let's just dive right into it. We're not going to bury the lead here. The free agency uh, fiesta was... was it lived up to the billing and then some. Uh, the, the, the first big one, though, perks to Cloud9. Uh, the, would you say, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll take this from uh, from Tyler's perspective, uh, having been in the region for so long and seeing just import after import after import come in, does this feel like the biggest signing that an LCS team has made? Uh, and why would this one be any different? I mean, when you sign, like, arguably the best Western League of Legends player ever, I think that it's going to be a pretty big deal. I think that he's been like, yeah, the best that we've seen over these past how many years now. He's been super consistent. And um, without him, G2 wouldn't have had the success that they've had, uh, even with the super team, right? Even with Cavs, I think that they wouldn't have been as successful without him. Um, I think, though, that he wasn't playing up to his potential in the ADC position, clearly. I think that... He thrives a lot more in the mid lane, and I'm really excited to see what he can do on Cloud9. Meg, kind of similar to you, I mean, does it feel like, you know, from the LCS, because they've taken a lot of imports from the LCK, does it make a difference that it's, you know, a European player, someone who's a little more Western, despite the, the LCS-LEC rivalry that I'm sure we'll get into at, at some point? I mean, there are a lot of videos that I think are maybe a little bit of overreaction of, oh, Perks is going to win, L like Cloud9 is not going to win LCS, Perks is going to win LCS, and he's just going to dunk all over kids. Is that necessarily the case? Uh, I mean, I think the one thing that really differentiates perks from like some of the LCK inputs that we've seen in the past coming into NA is obviously the issue of language. He has been playing in English, want of a better phrase, for as long as he's been playing. And I think that intangible, that kind of like that special something in communication is really going to bring a lot to cloud nine and i think that's a thing that a lot of inputs have been lacking before because integrating them's obviously been so hard but i think obviously he's an insanely mechanically gifted player like nobody is taking that away from him but i also think that his intangibles and his communication and like the little things that he can bring to a team are what's really really exciting about perks going to an a and i think partly why i am so sad to see him go because i just i'm not sure what europe will look like without him yeah yeah, I mean, he, he is the prodigal son. You're not going to have, I think I think you brought up the issue of communication, right? A, you know, a crown situation where obviously he's so gifted, but you're swapping kind of one thing for another. And on Cloud9, it doesn't feel like you're doing that. Um, you know, and then in the top lane, Licorice for Fudge. Coming up from the Academy and now with the OCE having their, you know, residency tag, for lack of a better word, be North American, that doesn't complicate things as far as import rules. They still got spent in the bot lane and whatnot. That bot lane should be solid. Um, we'll get into a broader discussion of kind of NA talent, but do, do you see, uh, to Tyler, do you see the, the, the selling on of Licorice as a, 
oh, look at Jack investing in young NA talent or, well, we got to make some money somehow to sign perks. So mm. here you go, FlyQuest. I think that's might be part of it, but I do know that Fudge is really, really talented. I'm not sure. I think I, I heard it in a recent podcast uh, with, with Jack where he said that they wanted to move on to Fudge already, but because of import rules, they weren't able to do that. He was smurfing in, in the NA Academy. He was the one, like, honestly, I think he was the best top laner in NA Academy by, by a long shot. And, um,. More like new talent to the LCS. I'm gonna I'm gonna be always for it because that whole meme about how we always recycle talent and we're just taking people who are like retiring and stuff. It's like, hey, look, we're giving a lot of chances to a lot of new players, and I'm wherever that comes, I'm I'm for it. Yeah, I mean that that could be its own three hour special, and we'll try to keep it condensed when we move on to when we move on to rosters like Golden Guardians, which are a big talking point. But um, again, before we kind of move on to Cloud Nine from Cloud Nine to TSM, uh, for both of you. Of the big three, I think, you know, there will be some surprises, but we feel like it's going to be TSM Cloud9 TL in some order. I don't, is it even worth kind of differentiating those top three? Or, uh, Meg, you kind of gave me a look there of like, well, maybe not really. Like, what do you, uh, do you have any spicy takes to offer there? I, it's really hard because with NA, they have these kind of these really established names, like these teams and players that you always look to as being oh these are just always going to be the teams that are in the top this is just like how it's always been and how it will continue to be but i think with the introduction of all of this young talent i think we could definitely see kind of a shake-up this year like i think um flyquest obviously they went to worlds last year but i think their roster is one to really really look out for i think they're going to be really promising so in going from talking about young emerging NA talent to now we want to shift gears to TSM. And we are the, the following about 10 minutes uh, are re-recorded because Doublelift, the gift that keeps on giving, uh, he decided to retire literally about 10 or 15 minutes after we stopped recording. So given the potential roster shakeups that that could have had for TSM, we decided to wait a little bit, re-record right now. We're recording on Monday the 30th. And this roster does look fundamentally differently because you went from an established veteran presence, or I should say two established veteran presences in the bot lane, to now lost jumping in from the academy in a similar situation that Tactical was in at, at Team Liquid middle of last year. And Tyler, looking at you, I would say if I'm a TSM fan, if I get half the return out of Lost and Sword Art that Tactical and Core JJ got, I'm pretty happy. Well, okay. I think that right now, with the roster that we know is coming together for TSM, there's got to be kind of like, for me, it's always been a hope for the best but prepare for the worst type of thing with TSM, especially with this type of roster, because you're coming into 2021 with a, like, you've lost two of your biggest names and two of the most polarizing players on the roster in Doublelift and Bjergsen. Bjergsen's going to the, is the coach, but it's going to be very different not having him on the rift compared to having him on, on stage behind you. I think that right now you have to kind of come into this with a bit of an open mind if you're a TSM fan. Like you said, Loss is a rookie. He hasn't been the starter for any team before. And he's playing with Sorter, who's a very veteran presence, who has a pretty set style of play that if, it, if they can make it work, it works like crazy. I, I think that with TSM right now, there's a very high ceiling. If this roster works, they'll probably win the LCS. So... Um, Come in with a pretty open mind since this is the first time that we've seen TSM in a really different state without Bjergsen and without Doublelift. Yeah, and those two players at some point or another over the past eight years have been on the team and been such a central part of how they play. 
this is a bit of an overhaul for TSM. And, you know, going over to you, Meg, because you mentioned that, yes, they're promoting Lost and banking on some rookie talent, but this isn't really the first time they've actually done that uh, because Spica last year was a bit of a revelation. I think Tactical kind of stole the show as far as rookies go, but Spica really came into his own. Tyler talked about how a lot of these players, Booney included, Power People included, have very specific styles that they like to play. Is it possible to, to marry all of these? Oh, that's a difficult question. Um, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I think if the trio of Speaker, Power of Evil, and Sword Art can work, that's insane. Like, that that trio just moving around the map and just wrecking everyone's everything in every lane that they go to is going to be insane if they can get it to work. But Hooney's a bit of a wild card, and if Speaker has to spend all of his time in top lane fixing Hooney's waves because he dies level 3 for a cannon creep, like... <laughs> It's just, oh it's so insanely coin flip, and I just don't know if I trust it. I love banking on rookies. I think it's really exciting that they're bringing Lost in. I think he's really got a chance to prove himself. He's got an amazing support to work with. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, there's a lot of questions that haven't been answered yet by this roster, and I think won't be answered really until we see them play. Yeah, and, and they were, the, the Cloud9 roster, as far as the Academy is concerned, last year stole the show. But the team that they beat in the finals, 3-1, to one, was the TSM roster. Um, so, you know, you had Lost and Treats down there, and this is not to flame Treats. He's a, he's a heck of a support. He got a little bit, I think, kind of done over, if I'm going to be honest, as far as the situation last year. But he's found himself a, a home in, in Europe. Uh, but I think that with a guy like Lost, as long as he is receptive to what Sword Art is going to tell him, uh, because you look at what Sword Art was able to do with Juan Feng, taking a very raw but very talented player uh, and turning him into, you know, really a world-class ADC kind of over the course of a split here. and But I think, you know, TSM ha has been a team that, shall we say, traditionally has not been the most kind of stable as far as mental and maybe kind of the, the, the intangibles. Uh, and you guys correct me if I'm, if I'm overgeneralizing here. Uh, but again, I think that, you know, Hooney with his, you know, the inconsistencies that have followed him around, I'm sure he's trying to shake those things. Bjergsen is a guy that plays very sacrificially. And as a coach, I'm interested to see how that's going to translate. Um, I don't know, what do you see in a perfect world as the identity of this team? Do they have an identity? Is there identity that they don't have an identity? Tyler? I think right now, because PoE is a lot more carry-centric, like you said, I think that Bjergsen was a lot more willing to play a kind of supportive style of play. We'll see a lot more of a turn back to, like, team solo mid, where there's a lot of a focus <laughs> back to the mid lane. I think that PoE showed that if you give him the right amount of like resources, it's over. And so I think that if Spica and, like Meg said, Sword Art, if they can work together to really get PoE ahead and then they can work together and play as efficient as possible, I think it really depends on how those three play together. Like, their ceiling is so friggin' high. Their ceiling is so high, but I can, I can also see these guys ending like a sixth place out in the first yeah. round type of like team. Um, yeah, all eyes are on mid lane to see if PoE can really take up the mantle from Bjergsen in 2021. Yeah, and I think you do have, uh, you know, a guy in, and this could maybe be good, especially with kind of a, an extended season and some of the formats that, you know, are, are coming into, as for some of the format changes, I should say, that are coming into the LCS. Loss will probably take a bit of a backseat, and that might be a good thing. Uh, because then maybe there's just less pressure on him. You can you can just stick him on you know a Ziggs or an Ezreal and just say hi. Sort of just be like, don't die. I'm gonna go up there and try to win us the game. 
just please don't i have to go fix a wave like you know whatever <laughs> but like it's not like they don't have options and to mm-hmm. me if i'm a rookie kind of coming into that spotlight that's not that's not to say that lost doesn't have ambition and whatnot but there is i think a level of self-awareness that will probably you know i think gerson will try to instill in him of like look you're just not there yet and like i think it'd be like okay bet but like i have this world-class support around me that is going to again facilitate you know Pioi. and if like you were saying tyler if the the okay everyone's just gonna hard camp mid strat is a little too telegraphed then Hootie does exist in the top lane. Yeah. Um, Meg, do you think that that kind of mental backseat for loss might be a good thing? Uh, I think if there was any situation, if we'll we'll use our imaginations here. Say if I were <laughs> perchance a North American LCS level AD carry, which I am not. I do not play AD carry. But if I were to be in that situation, I cannot think of a team and a team setup that I would more like to join than this one because I'm chilling. I've got Hooney in the top lane who, if he like gets even a little bit ahead, will just pretty much solo roll the entire game on some weird pick that no one's thought of yet. <laughs> Right. Speaking of which, I thought about the the Widzillion top thing the other day, and I got like war flashbacks when he brought that into the LCS. <laughs> but no, anyway, veering wildly off topic. The so you've got Pee in the mid lane, who is incredibly consistent and is just kind of like a turret for his team. If you give him the resources, he will do the damage. You've got Sword Art, who will be every single place on the map at once. Essentially, all Lost has to do is just give himself the reckless treatment of manage his waves like a pro. Don't die. And then if something goes wrong, just get enough gold that you can carry in the late game. Right. Because if you need the crazy engages, Sword Art is the person that's going to do that for you. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I think uh, it's we kind of all come to the same conclusions here is that, again, it's prepare for the worst, pray for the best. And that this team, right, I think in the summer, yeah, they, they, you know, they would get tossed around by some of these top teams. But when they hit their ceiling, even last year, with a bit of a, a roster that we all knew had its flaws, but when they finally hit their stride, they made the Cloud Nines, the FlyQuest, the TLs look like chump change. It's those little mistakes they were finally able to capitalize on, but it really felt like there were a lot of things that had to go uh, well together at the same time. Uh, so we talked about TSM and how their identity has shifted a bit. Teams that haven't shifted their identities are these other big players in the LCS, uh, the Team Liquids. So let's talk about them because their strategy has not shifted. They throw money at people, and it usually works out okay for them. Uh, making million dollar contracts just a a, a, a norm uh, yeah like the norm exactly right they, they re-signed jensen to uh three years 4.2 million so he'll be sticking around i think santorin uh you know does technically have residency now if if the fount of all knowledge at gamepedia uh is to be trusted mm-hmm. but alfari and santorin and alfari was the one shining star in, in an otherwise disastrous season for origin yeah. um let's go to you meg uh Alfari coming in from Origin. Origin was a dumpster fire, but Alfari was hot stuff and not in a I am part of the dumpster fire type of way. That was not a great metaphor, but you get what I'm trying to say. He he climbed out the dumpster, I think. He is insane. Like there is I cannot think of another word that better describes just how good Alfari is. There was I think he had, from what I remember, he had one bad game on Camille. And it looked like that bad game was just because he tilted so hard off the face of the planet at how <laughs> badly the rest of his team was doing that he was like nah i'm done i'm gonna go Mm. do something else i'm just farming top lane but like he was on a 10th place team and he was first in if not every statistic that you can measure lane dominance in then almost all of them and i think na's top laners have really got their work cut out trying to deal with him because although top lane is not 
the hyper carry role that it has once been in the past. It is also not exclusively relegated to a tank meta. And I think with the prevalence of things like Camille that we're still seeing in meta, I think Alfari is just so scary, especially in North America. Yeah, we'll see how the uh, how the tank meta, because that, that's been the story of the offseason so far and then the preseason, how that does evolve. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, Licorice might be the one guy that won't maybe have his uh, work cut out for him. And even he has had his boom and bust moments. Uh, Tyler, to you, is there anything else to add on TL or you're just like, yeah, they've got money. They threw it at people. They, <sighs> they, they plugged the holes that they did have because they were a really freaking good team last year. Mm -hmm. um, but there were deficiencies there, uh, namely in the, I mean, I guess Broxa, but I think that was like top side. -ish. You contribute that to 10,000 other circumstances. I love Broxa, uh, but now they've got uh, such a consistent presence in the jungle. And oh, that yeah. feels like what they need. Yeah. Like I, I feel, I feel for Broxa because he came into the team in like pretty bad circumstances already. When he came into the team in the spring, that team was like all over the place, right? He had visa issues in the beginning when he came. Double if had those motivation issues. He got benched. They brought up tactical. And so it was like, a really, really tumultuous time for Team Liquid and for Broxa, and that was his first season like in the LCS. So I do feel for him, but Team Liquid's top side looks pretty scary. Alfari, Santorin, Jensen—that's kind of crazy to think about. Santorin made FlyQuest kind of what they were. I, I, of course, we're looking at Poe too, but like he helped enable him to succeed the way he did, and to see him working with someone like like Alfari and like Jensen—that's scary. Cloud9's top side's good, right? You got Fudge, Blower, and Perks. But overall, I think that Team Liquid's top side's insane. And I think that they're probably top two. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. yeah. They, they feel like the team with the lowest floor of these right. kind of top three teams, if you will. Right, right, right. right. Like yeah. If, like, there's no way, well, there's no way <laughs> that with... last spring happens. Uh, exactly. Again, no one was expecting that. And. The bottom completely fell out, but I think, yeah, for me, it was just consistency, whether that's, you know, mental slash motivational consistency in the bot lane from double lift or, you know, lack thereof, or just jungling presence consistency from a guy like Broxa to a guy like Santorin. I think Broxa can provide that, but like you said, a lot of, a lot of extraneous circumstances. Um, staying on the subject of the top side here, and I think this is probably where we're going to eat up uh, a lot of our time. 100 Thieves pulling off the um, a, a hashtag successful heist and <laughs> literally just stealing 80% of Golden Dawn's <laughs> roster. Um, oh, which man. If you're Golden Guardians, and given the direction that they went, right, you know, there's a, maybe a broader discussion of, oh, well, they're owned by the Warriors in the NBA, lost a bunch of money, so, like, let's just sell this roster that overperformed given the expectations on them uh, and just build around Sunday because he's amazing, and I want the world for Sunday. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah like, it, and no flame to Hanser, but, like, this just feels like, you know, in, in, in a place with kind of more infrastructure. And th this just seems like that Golden Guardians roster. I'm so glad they stayed together uh, and it wasn't completely stripped for parts. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll start with Golden Guardians. Do, you know, they kind of have gone all in almost on just young NA talent. Love and it. With, with, and, and we love that. And and I'm glad that you say you love that because there is this dichotomy in, in esports and especially in League of Legends of, and I think, Nate shot of all people, like put it really, really well on like on like a clip that uh, he sent on his Twitch stream was like everybody wants to win now and everybody wants to develop any talent and yep. will always flame the other point when that doesn't happen and that is a hard balance to strike. But this feels like for Golden Guardians now that there's franchising, you have to worry about relegation and stuff. Yep. Like you can go all in on you know it's it's a bunch of rookies and stick say which 
like great like mm-hmm. I-, I feel like i haven't seen a team hard commit this oh, yeah. much to yeah. we are developing NA talent no one can flame us for it no I, like i think that golden guardians and even FlyQuest, we've never seen this many new faces in the lcs in a long time like we've got a ton of and, talent and, and new faces not from like other regions exactly we're not importing that's the biggest thing exactly like i'm really excited you're new y'all are rookies you guys are coming from you know the collegiate scene and although not a lot of people are probably expecting a lot from them i'm just super excited to see that there's a team that's actually dedicating their time to develop younger players in this region like from the like from north america like we haven't seen that in years like all these younger kids and stuff they don't get the chance to experience life in you know a more organized setting with like a management behind them with more scrims and practicing on the big stage and so to see golden guardians go all in on a developmental team like this i'm just super excited because we don't know like we could be looking at some of the next new stars of north america right here so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, i'm really excited tactical if not for double lift mental booming halfway through spring we wouldn't know what tactical looked like and he has been an absolute diamond in the rough now, exactly not everybody's gonna be tactical but uh meg to you because EU has done a just uh, chef's kiss job with their amateurs mm-hmm. as far as the structure of it, right? And like that, yeah. that's I think kind of what Tyler was mentioning was like the only way you get this kind of professional routine is by making it to the very, very top. And it's it's boomer bust in that sense. For you having, you know, experience and, and, and you know stuff about EU Masters talking about, you know, uh there's like Rogues Academy and how just fantastic they are. Like mm-hmm. the, the 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 pipeline is so so structured. Is this so, I mean, given that it is not a structured pipeline, does this feel like a step in the right direction for NA? Okay, so I think in terms of pipeline, the most interesting player to look at is someone like Niles, their new top laner, who is coming from, I believe, the University of Maryville, who I don't know a massive amount about the American collegiate scene, but from what I understand, they are kind of the the forefront in terms of developing collegiate League of Legends players. And... They have provided him as much as they can in terms of like mental preparation and playing in a structured environment and working under a coach. But oh my God, if I was him, I would be so scared mm. to go into the LCS because you're in a re- you're now in a region of people like Alfari and Huni, and it's just such an insane step up. And I just hope to God that people are willing to give this roster a chance and let it develop because Cloud Cloud Nine. Golden Guardians have been very transparent about the reasons that they've signed these players. It's like, look, we had some financial issues and we want to take this time to truly try and develop some NA talent. And I think it's really, really admirable and it's a really important thing to have in the scene. But I am just worried for the community reaction to these players because I think they're so young, they're so inexperienced, they don't have experience of being in such a pressured like fan facing environment and i just think that's something that na doesn't have like in europe you have the erls where people are performing on a stage and they're playing to a decent audience it's not the same as the lec obviously but you still have that pressure there but that's not something that na has so in terms of actual like training and coaching you can do that but the mental game is not something that can be taught if you don't have the kind of pipeline that europe has so I will just be, I will be very interested to see how this goes. And if they manage to pull this off, I will be a Golden Guardians fan for the rest of my life. I will get their logo tattooed on my All face right. or whatever, because this is insane. <laughs> that um, Golden Guardians, in case you're listening, that's 
underscore M-E-G-I-T-O. Come on, man. I think that they're, it, it's the community is going to have to have uh, a measured reaction, which I know as I say that, that sounds, that, that's an oxymoron, the community having a measured reaction. Like, this is not going to happen. But this might be, I think the best case scenario realistically might be that Niles and Golden Guardians, they might have to walk so that others can run. Mm. They might have to be the ones that make, like you said, make this just this really insane leap. You see guys struggling to go from academy to LCS and playing on that stage and just mentally, like, no matter how good you are, that's going to take a toll. And this is a big leap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, like you said, the transparency with which they've handled this, if nothing else, I think will uh, history will look on them really, really kindly. Or at least that's my uh, that's mm. my hope here. Mm-hmm. Um, so for I don't know for hundred thieves, I don't. I guess the do we have anything to say about them? Uh, I mean, oh. they just, it seems like they got just a slight upgrade uh, in a top laner and infrastructure. I mean, this feels like a top half team. So, Closer, uh, Damonte, FBI, Huhi, they're all really good. And you're just adding someday to this roster, which makes it really, really good. I think the biggest question mark for me for this roster just lies in the mid lane. I think that FBI and Huhi have shown that they can be really, really c- consistent. Closer has had multiple great moments, and I think that pairing him with someday is going to be really exciting. Um, but DeMonte wasn't that consistent in the mid lane. It really, really depends on how he can anchor himself against the, the mid lane talent of NA. I, I think that he's going to be a pretty important role to watch for that team. But other than that, yeah, I think that 100 Thieves, if things work out, they're a top five team for sure. Um, I think I'd, I'd tend to agree with you, Meg. Uh, live by live by Tanner time, die by Tanner time. I think so. I I really like the Golden Guardians roster from last year, and I think 100 Thieves have also got a lot of other talent that they can pull from. Like they have 100 Thieves Next, which is their step below Academy team, and then they have 100 Thieves Academy. So at the end of the day, they have a lot of pieces in motion. So they have the luxury of if this team maybe doesn't work the way they're looking at they have a lot of other places that they can pull from to contribute to the overall environment of the lcs team never a bad thing to have options really all you want in life mm-hmm. uh moving over to FlyQuest signing it, what in my opinion it, it other than perks is the most exciting signing uh, in jose de Odo, taking a guy from rainbow seven uh the latin american representatives at worlds this year um this guy made some if you haven't if you don't know who jose de Odo is please just go back and watch some of his games. There, there was a game against, I think it was UOL uh, in the play-in stage where he just went ballistic <laughs> uh, on Evelyn and just hard carried that game. Uh, and I think that, you know, like, it's just, it's all about options. And with some unproven commodities like Palafox and Diamond, like you were saying earlier, Tyler, the Cloud9 Academy was unbelievable. And Palafox and Diamond were a big part of that. But this is the LCS, right? I mean, Palafox is going to have to go against perks, right? Like that, that alone, that is a big, big step. But with Jose Deodo, assuming he can integrate, Licorice is solid up top. Um, FlyQuest, again, just not afraid to tear it all down and just hard embrace a new direction, which they kind of did last year. And I, I'd i be shocked if it worked out that well for him again. But mm. there's a lot to like on this team. I, I, I remember before all the roster moves were like announced, I said that Licorice was perfect for this team. If they kept Santorin in Power of Evil, I think that Licorice would have been a really, really good addition. But unfortunately, that all went away. But I still am really, again, like I'm super excited for FlyQuest because of the faces that we're going to see next year. I think Palafox and Diamond, they, they are LCS caliber. I think that they are, are, are ready to play. Obviously, Licorice is like a rock in the top lane. He's been like a 
top tier top laner for a few seasons now. Like he was um, all pro first team uh, first the summer. So I'm really excited to see how this roster turns out. I'm not like I don't expect them to you know go to the finals and have the same ceiling and the same kind of ex- accomplishments as the 2020 FlyQuest did. Not yet, just because there's so many different pieces that are coming to try and play to, like to, to play together for the first time. But with all these like young guys getting a shot, yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just excited again to see fresh faces uh, in the uh, in the LCS. And I think FlyQuest is still a top five team probably with like 100 Thieves if it works out in the way that I think it will. Uh, Meg, do you have any any ifs for FlyQuest for them to, to bust out the top three? I. I like this team a lot. I don't think they're making top three. Not at first anyway, because I just think, especially with someone like Jose de Oda, we've not seen enough from him because obviously the world's meta for junglers was so fixed and there were just this kind of specific few junglers that you could play. We haven't seen him on something like I said, Juani. And if the meta changes on a dime, like it is so want to do sometimes, he will have a lot of work cut out to prove that he can be just as good on those things as he can be on something like the Evelyn or the Graves or the Nidalee or anything like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see that. That jungle meta is... Uh, I hope that Jose Deodo is not a product of the meta. I think that would be a, a tragedy of epic proportions here. <laughs> uh, wrapping up kind of the, the LCS portion of things, another big top lane signing coming over uh, from the LEC. Finn coming over. You know, and, and if you want to talk about two just kind of oppositely perceived top laners from the LEC. Uh, Finn and Alfari, I think, kind of fit your mold for both of them. And Finn coming over to CLG, they pick up Broxa on his second team uh, in two years, and they get Turtle uh, from FlyQuest uh, and maintaining the, the notorious POB in the mid lane. This is my... I don't know if dark horse is the right word, but it's a it's like an emotional dark horse. It's just, <laughs> gosh, I want this to work, because I like so many of these players right, so yeah. much. But injecting yeah. emotion into analysis rarely ever goes well for you, boy. Um, <laughs> let's start in the top lane. Um, Meg, you gave us a fantastic insight about Alfari. Finn, he was on the, the LEC 2 seed. But boy, oh boy, is he a controversial player. So, yeah, I think controversial is probably the right word. So Finn came into the LEC. From what I remember, he was known pretty much from the minute he joined. He was the Kled one trick. He was a like a really high-rated Kled one trick in solo queue and I kind of think that that reputation has haunted him from since the second he joined like he he is not a bad player by any means and I think people who are saying like oh he's awful he's like one of the worst top laners that Europe's ever seen you're being egregious stop it he's not terrible he just needs a lot of work and there's definitely there are the qualities of a very good player there he is not a lost cause as i think a lot of people have kind of penned him out to be where it's like oh he's going to the north american retirement home like this is it for for finn i don't think that's the case i think this team with someone like such a stable mid and jungle we could see him really shine but i also am hesitant to say that he will be able to perform because i just don't know he's so He's such an unknown factor for me, partly because so little of the attention was on him when he was on Rogue. It was kind of everything was about Larson and Inspired. He was just kind of stay up top, survive, get to late game. The, the rest treatment. of the map will win the game. Yeah, very much the direst treatment. I just think he's he's kind of an unknown quantity. And with the power of NA's top lane pool right now, he will have his work cut out, but I'm not willing to write him off just yet. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, if uh, 
PoE is a very stabilizing presence, and if Braxa can achieve that level of stability, that's really, really going to help uh, him out. Poor guy got all the attention for the wrong reasons. Uh, Tyler, the, the the bot side of the map is, you know, the, this is kind of the, mm. the, the top side is very exciting, fun, new NA talent. Uh, again, the, the old kind of new, lowercase and new. Uh, <laughs> the bot side is a little more recycled. Uh, uh, I, don't know. Well, I mean... The thing is, I don't think this team's going to be as bad as people think it's going to be. I think that you have a lot of, like, known quant like known players that have shown that they can be relatively stable. Like, Poe Belter's been pretty good. Like, he, he might be an OG of the league, but he's been really good. And Wild Turtle still is pretty good. Like, I think that, and Broxa, he has a lot to prove after last year. So, like, I think that this team is going to surprise some people. I think that... They're gonna probably get some wins off of teams underestimating them just because they have a lot of players that we've known for a long time. There's just too much experience on this team for them to be, in my opinion, like a bottom three team or something. I think that they can get sixth because of how much experience they have with, with, with you know, Finn in the top lane. And, you know, he's probably even hungry to prove himself after everybody kind of ragged on him. And so... Yeah, I'm gonna keep my eye out on them. Like, like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep my expectations low just so that I don't get disappointed. But I'll be really, really happy to see these guys succeed because, yeah, like I've been fans of these guys for a long time, right? Like Pove and, and Wild Turtle and and, and Broxa too. Like Broxa's a great guy, and I think, yeah, he has a lot to prove after last last year. I think that he's gonna try and turn it up and try to prove people wrong. So, yeah, no, I, I think this team can get sixth. I don't think they're gonna do as bad as people think they're gonna do. Yeah, and then they overhauled their coaching staff as well, so it's a hope that you know, the, the outside more structured uh, or kind of the, the more behind the scenes factors really help this team gel because it's clear that there is a lot of talent on this team and this team has a really high ceiling, but I think it's going to come down to those, uh, those intangibles. Um, immortals exist. Evil geniuses. They overhauled uh, some parts of their roster as well. You get a hard upgrade in the top lane from Kumo to impact, even though I think Kumo kind of showed that he could be consistent. He had a lot more, he had a lot more off days and on days. Um, they're running it back with Jazuke, which I like. Uh, I feel for Golden Glue because I really do like the guy, and I think he he's he got kind of done over uh, in in the last uh, calendar year. But uh, the keep it Spenskaren, um, I, I just think it's insane that Bang won a World Championship three years ago, and now like I don't even know where he's going. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Meg, quick hits on on EG before we, we move on to your area of expertise in the LEC. Um, I'll keep it quick just because I think Evil Genius is the roster that I kind of have not necessarily bad expectations for, but the least expectations for. I don't really know what to make of this roster. I think Jizuke is really good. He's had some consistency issues. We'll put it that way. He's definitely had his moments both in Europe and in NA. And I think Impact's great. I think Impact will be a rock for this team. But yeah, at the end of the day, my expectations are wide open for this roster. If they perform really well, I will not be massively surprised. If they completely bomb out, I will not be massively surprised mm -hmm. either. I think it all just comes down to how they perform on the day. Yeah, th th this feels like a solo queue roster. High fun. Yeah. Really <laughs> high fun. Um, let's shift it over to the LEC then. Um, because where, where a Perks exited, a Reckless entered. <laughs> Uh, maybe not quite tantamount to, to Kevin Durant joining the Warriors, but this this felt like that kind of move. But because I've also but I've, but I've never seen one guy move to his biggest rivals. Uh, even like after like CL, even after like double lift from you know CLG to TSM, everyone loves Reckless so much that everyone was like, 
well, I hope he does well. I guess I'm on the G2 yeah. bandwagon. Now, Meg, I know it, it, that was an emotional 24 hours for you. Um, <laughs> one, how are you now? Uh, and two, uh, I don't know, thoughts? I mean, th there's so much to talk about with, with this alone. I mean, you guys can't see this, but I have a little sign um, behind my recording setup that just says, do not cry about Reckless. Because this, <laughs> Reckless was the player that, kind of introduced me to esports and Fnatic was the team that introduced me to esports when I first started watching. Before I'd even played my first game of League of Legends, I was a fan of Fnatic. And the fact that just Reckless is not there anymore is so insane to me. But I also think that this move to G2 is absolutely the best thing that he could have done for his career. I think, I hate to say it, but I kind of think that Fnatic roster had hit its ceiling. And that really hurts mm. me to say because I love that team to death. But I do really think that they kind of that world finals with caps was the most that they could do, because I don't think there is a mid laner that you can get that will be better than caps, at least not right now. And I think Reckless has always been incredibly transparent of I want to win and like I will do whatever it takes. I will do anything to win. And I think especially when he got so close to it at that world final, that kind of really cemented it for him of like, this is what I want. This is why I play this is like what I want out of my professional career. And I think this G2 roster actually stands quite a good chance of being able to do that for him. And I think, I know a lot of people were very upset by the move. I'm not going to lie. I was also quite upset by the move. But now that I've kind of thought about it a little bit more, it just makes complete sense that this is where he would go. And I just hope to God that it works out for him. Yeah, and it felt like, I mean, and they also came, I mean, this year, one game away from mm, that victory mm, against oh, mm, not mm, to reopen old wounds, mm. but you talk about 2018 and the almost Boy. there. I mean, it, it, there's so much like variance in, in esports. Like the, the, the meta can change just the strengths of a team. And this isn't basketball where you can just run back the same five players and it's like, look, the game is still the same. You still got to put the ball in the dang hoop. Uh, but like, you know, like just given the high level consistency that Fnatic were able to have and to come so close so often, you cannot blame Reckless at all. Uh, for doing this right if it was just 2018 run it back one more time whatever but then to come so close again this year uh really really hurts but let's move it then to uh i guess let's round out g2 before kind of talking about the future for Fnatic. tyler i'm going to you um can anyone challenge g2 um and i don't know is there, there's the whole oh it's Ooh, one team reason now there was a lot of spice on twitter um i i i opened the cabinet to you um get out your, your turmeric your time right. i i i like I eat like the white person I look like. I don't know spices, but I'll let you <laughs> take it away, my friend. Okay. I feel like now it's really, really hard and it's like tough because I love the Fnatic G2 rivalry. But with Reckless going to G2, it's like, you Does know. Does it exist anymore? I, I'll be honest. I don't think, I don't think a rivalry really existed between them because they never won Fnatic. To be on, like, I, I, Come it on, hurts, it hurts to me. say there wasn't a rivalry until they beat them and they didn't even beat them for the championship. They beat them to get to put G2 into the lower bracket. Yep. So, like, they lost twice against them in a row in a sweep. So it's, like, hard for me to say that there was even, like, a rivalry between these guys because they didn't win against them. But... It was fun to like, you know, meme about it and things like that. But now that Reckless, I mean, like, who's going to look like, look, who can like stand out to that lineup? Because now you have a true, like, bona fide, 
hard carry ADC in Reckless that will win you the game when you hit late game. Like, he will win you the game. And then you have Caps, who's <laughs> a god. And you still have Yankos and Wonder and Mickey. Who's who's going to take these guys down? N no one, really. Like, it, it, it's just really, really hard to think of a team that can surprise us and stand up to these guys. I hate saying that like EU's like a one team race, but it might be with this move. Yeah, I think I think on paper you can't really argue that everyone's chasing G2, but every year and especially this year, right? G2 looked really really vulnerable at times, but at the end of the day what mattered was when it counted, they showed up. After they lost 3 to 2 in a squeaker to Fnatic, they they lost the they lost the world champions, right? They got donkeyed by the best team in the world. Okay, fine. Like yeah. whatever. We'll, we'll run it back. Like but I think mentally even, and this has been kind of a thing that has put G2 on the, the, the broader map and made them an interesting team to watch, is that it seems like their inconsistency is all just like mental. And to me, mm. th this is an outsider's perspective here, but Meg, I want to get yours. Mm -hmm. It feels like Reckless could be a uh, a, a focusing Iris uh, for them, to use a World of Warcraft term, that Reckless brings a level of like consistent seriousness, for lack of a better word. And maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I don't know. Do you think mm. that reckless apart from the on the rift stuff just uh. outside of it like can he just tell like he's like look like shadowlands has been out for you know months now we've got a season to prepare for <laughs> like castle math raiding castle mathria is not as important yeah like, i get i get that you can do both but like for the love of god why do you think we've fallen short so many times because that's what i feel like reckless is going into this with because like you said yeah. his sole drive is to win i feel like he's gonna put up with zero bs on this team. i feel like it'll be a case if he like they're all sitting down ready for a scrim he just he turns his eyes over to Wonder's PC and he sees Shadowlands booting Ugh. up and he just gives him the death glare and it's like nope you you are locked in for this scrim <laughs> or so help me God because <laughs> he wants this so badly and there there was a lot of hypothetical discussion after this World Championship of oh Reckless could go to G two but nobody really believed it until obviously it happened mm. and when all of that hypothetical was happening my main thought was reckless feels like he doesn't fit the i'm gonna use the word branding that's not really what i mean but i can't think of a better word reckless does not fit the branding of this team g2 is the like we're gonna absolutely dunk on everyone and we're gonna have fun while doing it and we're gonna like open ms paint in the middle of an lec game and write what the hell is going on or whatever it was that he said and reckless is very serious he always has been like he doesn't use social media he doesn't really stream that much he's not that much of a memer yeah memer perfect word he's not that much of a memer and that's kind of what g2 are built off but i also think now that i've had more time to think about it now that it's actually a reality he could bring a really important level of like gravitas to this team where it's like he is so hungry for a title and i think reuniting him with caps as well it'll be a really good opportunity to kind of level out some of the memery and maybe fix some of the mental issues that G2 have been having. Mm. And, and that's a good point. I'm glad they brought up him reuniting with Caps because, again, that felt like that was one of the iterations of the ceiling that Fnatic hit over the last three years. Now, to kind of play devil's advocate here, and I'll, I'll throw this to, to Tyler and Meg, feel free to chime in, but, like, uh, do you think... Cause I kind of see two sides of this. One, right, it could be really good, and it could, you know, kind of help refocus, bring a sense of gravitas, like you were saying, to this team. But, you know playing loose and playing confident right that is a part of your mental right there is there is a seriousness but there's like a if you have if you're confident in your own abilities to a non-diluted degree that is what makes the any 
athlete, performer, League of Legends player, whatever. Like, that is what makes you your best. That is part of the mental game. But could Reckless kind of, like, I don't be, like, awkward, like, the dad, chill, like, I, I'm having fun with my friends. <laughs> and, like, just chemistry-wise, could that mm. be, do, do you okay. see that being an issue? I, I think that that's the one thing that would possibly mar this new G2. That's the only thing, because from a talent standpoint, insane. But I think that, like Meg said, there's a lot of like that mental difference of, oh, they want to have fun and, you know, joke around and stuff. Meanwhile, Reckless is very serious. We don't know. Maybe that might cause some, I don't know, friction between some people. Like, I think that's the only place where it could go wrong for G2 is the meshing. If Reckless doesn't mesh with this lineup and the way that they, you know, deal with League and how they practice and how they, you know, even have the mentality for the game then that could be bad too, right? Because it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't mesh well together as a team, you won't play well, obviously. So I think that's the only place that could be a problem. Yeah, it, I, it, I it also feels like, to, to, to cut in real quick, like it feels even G2 at a certain point is like, okay, oh, yeah. like, we, we have been the prodigal sons for so long, right? Whether it was uh, 2018, 2019, or 2020, it has felt like, and it's insane because they've achieved so much, but it has always felt slightly underwhelming for them. I feel like even the memers, are, like they have to be. Oh no! Serious. I think yeah. I think that G two. It's like after their loss this year, you can tell that they're like serious about it. And I think, like Meg said, like Reckless will be the guy to be to to kind of ground these guys and kind of make them focus up. And mm -hmm. I think a focused up G two. Who's who's getting cool. second? Who's getting second yeah. is all I gotta say. If they're focused. Literally, you're fighting for second place at that point. We've seen that happen. When they lose and they actually focus up, like, for yeah. example, with Mad Lions, when they lost to Mad Lions and they focused up, suddenly no one's touching them. They're, like, a level above. And so if Reckless is there to constantly keep them in that mindset, watch out. Like, that's, that's scary. Like, that's a scary team. They're already scary, but if, if Reckless this can... Is a, this is another level. Exactly. This is not, like, anything that we've really seen in Europe before. Yeah. So then from all that on G2, the other side of that coin, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those Newtonian laws of physics. For every G2 action, there is a fanatic equal and opposite something or other. And they made two big signings here. One literally dropped while we were recording was that Yamato, uh, after on the, on the back of a really good run in the LCK, like I, maybe I'm just not checking the right tweeter, twi like tweeter feeds, hello, Twitter feeds. <laughs> um, but I feel like that didn't get talked about enough. How like that sandbox roster was like 0 and 5, and then they beat everyone except for, like, the legitimately good LCK teams when Yamato got there. And correlation doesn't mean causation. That doesn't not mean causation either. He comes to Fnatic. He's back in the LEC. And Niski uh, is back on uh, on Fnatic. Meg, to you. Um, I think we kind of agree that everybody's kind of playing for second. But is Fnatic the definitive second place team? Like, how high is the ceiling for this team? The ceiling for this team is very high i think niski is if not a ridiculously like insane upgrade over nemesis i do still think he's an upgrade i think yamato is a really really good coach and he can bring like if fanatic are having mental issues i think yamato is the one to help them with those mental issues like everyone remembers yamato's 2018 vitality speech oh, to play yeah. your own game that, that was that so speech, good is so legendary i think if there's anyone who is going to break Fnatic out of a possible like mental slump whatever that they could be experiencing it's going to be yamato but in terms of just the pure caliber of players 
I think the team has a very high ceiling, but also could completely crash and burn. And I will wait to pass judgment on how this team is going to end up. But I have, I have some worries for how they're going to perform, I think. And I think that's everyone has worries. They lost their franchise player. They lost the face of their organization. There's going to be some growing pains. Yeah, and there were like, you know, talks of friction between certain players. And, you know, it kind of, it felt like even before those that some part of this Fnatic roster was going to change. Um, and he talked about, you know, some some, some worries. Um, which one of them, Tyler, uh, besides the one that starts with H and ends in Illisang as far as consistency, <laughs> um, where do you see, let, let's assume they get upset because that, that okay. seems like we're spending again. It's not confirmed, but okay. let's assume that, um, you know, Hilly again, like he, smirked in like when it counted he just turned it on but this is a guy that is just extremely high volatility and that doesn't feel like the kind of you know recent track record recent run of form if you like that you want to stick into a, an unknown right uh, mm. replacing the franchise player fanatic's hard to really judge right now i think that niski and upset are really good but Reckless is just, he's the best ADC in the region. And I think that right now, I think that Fnatic's ceiling to me, like as a definitive ceiling, I think they'd be like second or third at most. Third, maybe. Oh, that stings to hear. It hurts, wow. but I don't think that it's hard. It's really hard to say, but I'm really excited for yeah. Yamato. I think that like, like you said, I he he seems like the type of guy to lead you in the battle. Like I I'd follow him into a war, mm -hmm. straight up. The way that he just speaks, like when he streams or when he's on the desk, and you just hear him talk, and it's just like, I can agree with anything you say because the way that he yeah. says it is delivery. If, oh, if he told me to play like Yumi mid as my as my like, look, I know you as a player. <laughs> I know your tendencies. I know that you haven't played mid lane since Anivia season two. Like, it's Yumi now. I'd be like. Yes, oh, sir. <laughs> of course. I. How could I? Yeah, you would believe anything that man yeah, says. Straight up. Because if nothing else, he has just the most beautiful voice um, of all time. Exactly. Uh, all right. Before we move on to the other teams, I'll, I'll give you each 30 seconds. Start with, we'll start with Meg. What has to happen for, you know, whether it's on the G2 side or the Fnatic side, for Fnatic to overtake G2? And not in like a fluky, like, we beat you in a best of five in loser's bracket and then just get absolutely blasted when it counts. Um, what has to go right for Fnatic? What has to go wrong for G2? Uh, 30 seconds, I think it's pretty simple. I think Selfmade and Whippo have to style so hard on Wonder and Yankos that they just physically cannot ever recover. They just have to put them in a coffin. If you don't have that bottom side of the map to rely on, the amount of dominance that you have to have in the top and jungle, and if Niski can be a stable, like, linchpin in the mid lane, I think there is a chance. But oh my god, Whippo and Selfmade will have to perform out of their minds the if this is gonna work it's the backpack self-made he's the best jungler in europe and i think that i don't know in that matchup it's like can you look at like the mid or bottom lane i don't know uh i think niski can survive like he's shown it he's shown that he can survive and, and that might and, be all that he has to do that's, that's exactly right like like i think that right now yeah self-made especially is gonna have to put the backpack on like he's gonna be the guy yep. that we look at for fanatic and if he can elevate his game even further then he, they have a chance but other than that i don't know but fanatic is gonna like self-made is gonna be the one that everybody needs to look out for the way i see this 
um, like these two rosters is kind of the way I would have looked at the SKT versus SSG World Finals mm. when SSG kind of finally toppled the SKT dynasty. You have Crown is a world champion playing Malzahar. Like his job was just if you let Faker leave mid lane, you have failed. You just need to keep him there and keep him occupied so that Ambition can just run up and down the map doing laps repeatedly, just getting both of his side lanes yeah. incredibly ahead. And I think if, if, this is the biggest, most capitalized, largest font if I think I've ever used in my entire life, if that can work, I think Fnatic have a chance, but there are so many variables that need to go exactly right in order for that to work that I just can't really like I can't mm -hmm. bank on it. My closing case. statement mm. on the LEC is because there is a team that we haven't touched on and I really like this team. Not Mad Lions. Oh. Still sad about the disbandment of that roster. Okay. I like Rogue. I think Rogue mm. really have the core of something special. Larson's incredible. Larson got really, really underappreciated because he was in a league that had caps. What do you do when you are in a league that has caps? You will always be the second best player to him. But Larson is really good. They've got Oduamne now. They've got kind of this more... Stable. Stable veteran voice that they lost when they got rid of Vanda. And then they brought in Trimby in the bot lane, who is their um, AGO rogue, their EU Master support, who is nuts. He is one of the best. He is like mad life levels of insane on Thresh. Like he's so yeah. good. And obviously, he's very young. There's a lot of parody there as to whether he will just completely bomb or perform as insanely as he did in the EU Masters Finals. But I definitely think this Rogue Squad are one to watch because I think they can really... I think they can compete with Fnatic. Actually, I think... Yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, I can't believe we didn't talk about Rogue. These guys have looked really good. And they've picked up a solid top laner. Yeah, you're completely right. I can't believe we didn't like touch on them. They, they did a really good job picking up Odo. They could be a top two. Actually, now that I think about it, they can be like a second or third place team easy. And I think that they can actually compete now that Reckless isn't on Fnatic. I think that they can compete uh -huh. with Fnatic pretty easily now. In the LEC, obviously, G2 are by far, right now, the most promising roster that we have. Like, they look completely ridiculous. But I think, barring G2, the LEC this year is actually a lot more competitive than it was last year, especially when it gets to, like, a playoffs format. I think... Mad Lions are, although they have two relatively untested factors in the top and the mid lane, if it's going to be Armor and Elioya, in jungle rather, Armor and Elioya, uh, I think Rogue look really good, and I genuinely think that they might be better than Fnatic. I may end up eating my words on that, depending on who Fnatic end up with in the AD carry role, but right now, I really think they can challenge Fnatic. And I, I'm really excited to watch Europe this year. I think I will just have to grit my teeth and bear it for G2's games, just watching like a lot of the region kind of get stomped on. But I think for the rest of the league, this is really interesting. And it's it marks a really good thing about the European ecosystem that we can just keep producing these genuinely competitive teams every single year, bringing in so many young players. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I, I think a ceiling for Fnatic is probably higher, but I think as a 2-3, that's probably where you're looking. Now, um, Mad Lions, again, to uh, to, to just, we're gonna have to keep this one brief. But Mad Lions, they seemed like with such a, a great rookie roster that they were going to run it back. That it was just stage experience, all that. That was the narrative, and then it all just went, <sighs> and they, 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 they burned the ship down. And and a lot of people, myself included, as you know, someone who's not as not nearly as in the LCS as I am in the LCS, and 
uh, and, and things, which is maybe why I'm sad all the time. I don't know. Yikes. Shining young group. That, oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't like, maybe it was inevitable that, like, even if they stayed together, G2 was eventually just going to purge them once, like, their players got washed because, like, that's kind of how it works. Like, you said, when, like, when Meg said, when the social order collapses and Caps becomes king of league and uh, anarchy, monarchy, whatever, like, but man, this was a disappointment. Man, yeah, like Mad Lions, they were honestly, besides you know, the top two, they were my favorite team to watch because one, they were so fun, they were exciting, and uh, they were great to talk to. And I thought they had a lot of promise. The biggest question mark was, are they a an online team? Because mm -hmm. they hadn't played in land situations, and the one time they did, they got they got bombed out of worlds, but. I just think that with more experience, they could have had a really good thing going, which is why, like a lot of people, like you said, we're just sad that that roster didn't stick together. Yeah, I just wish that they t they they stuck with that young roster. But hey, esports, baby. <laughs> I'm so sad about <sighs> that. Mad Lions roster burned me because I loved those kids. Like mm. I, Shadow was the first uh, pro player that I ever interviewed. And that roster kind of had like a place in my heart as like, oh, they're the lovable rogues of the LEC. Like mm -hmm. sometimes they do stupid stuff, but they have these stupid like post-game celebration Love like it, dances the that they do, which yeah. just made the LEC for me. Those were wonderful. Mm -hmm. But like it just it really hurts that that roster has to had to disband. I understand why it happened. I wish it hadn't, but I also think I will be. I will give this new roster a chance. Because yeah. they, I don't think they will perform the same way that Mad Lions did this year. But I am also not willing to count them out just yet. I will wait and see how they do. Because they're keeping a lot of the players still, from what we know. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like the structure behind the scenes that took a rookie team with that kind of talent and boosted it to, you know, I boosted it in a good way. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, <laughs> raised it to a level that, uh, you know, they were great in the sum of their parts. Uh, even if it was just online, that they, you still can't take away... Uh, certain things from coach that. mac i'm a believer coach mac, with young players that is just is so slept on uh, important uh and as my english vocabulary falls apart i think it's a good place to end it uh thank you all so much for being here if you've been here all the way to the end we know we kind of ran up uh, on time but we still thank you for being here hi mom love you um <laughs> but we're gonna be back uh, we're on spotify right now and youtube in the future uh this was episode one ever of the critical strike podcast with meg k and tyler Sierra. for those two i've been henrique de for dot esports check back with us next week for hopefully another episode we'll see you then